0: Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. We're
1: live. Happy St. Paddy's Day.
0: You too. Thanks.
2: Are y'all wearing My green right, right now? Green. No, blue <sighs> and gray. I thought you'd ask. Black. I have some green on my t shirt. So I think that works. Mm hmm. I have
1: no green. None. None. I heard well, is the Chicago River green? Yeah. I,
0: I heard through the grapevine that it's green illegitimately that the chicago tried to cancel it but somebody went rogue and died it anyway so then the city was like yeah we we died it <laughs> so it's not look bad but i don't
2: i don't have that on any authority directly but what would it take f- what would it take for an individual to die the <laughs> chicago river green I feel I'm like imagining it have someone to be... just
1: taking like boxes and boxes of
0: food coloring, trying to do it at like <laughs> the source. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess I, I'm guessing it would be an inside job if it, if this were the case. Because, um, it, yeah, it's not like dying your swimming pool. It's the
2: river. Um, it's the river. <laughs> That's so much water. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, well, I don't really, I've never been to the river dyeing thing. I don't even know if it's an event that people go to. It's just something that you see on the news every year. But it's kind of weird that we do it. Just take some kind of dye. It must be not that bad for the environment if they do it every single year. Hmm. But it seems weird to just make a river a different color. Of course, the Chicago River is interesting because they made it go in a different direction. So Chicago kind of defies nature a lot in the river. It's sort of our sort of our little test tube for
1: modernity. Isn't there some history with the Chicago River where like for a while it was just poisoning the rest of the state of Illinois? They were just like sending all kinds of garbage
0: to everybody else. During the bad old days, the uh all the people that lived along the river, they would just throw all their garbage and stockyards and throw their car- carcasses and leftover stuff. It was just filled with um rotting flesh and poisonous garbage.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: And um that was part of the reason I think why they why they made the they built those locks at where the river enters the lake because the um When it would rain a lot, the, uh, the water from the river, all that crud would get out to the, um, the station, the pumping station that pumped the water from the lake into the city for drinking. Um, I might be getting the order of events wrong that, that might've even still been happening after they moved the river in the other direction. But in any case, all of that stuff was going downstate, um, and flowing into the Mississippi, which then would flow to the to like St. Louis, which get their water from the Mississippi. So yeah, I think your, I think your statement is accurate that Chicago was poisoning the rest of the world, but (laughs) they did clean it up. I still, we used to do a scout trip where we would canoe in the Chicago river. And uh, I was never so crazy about that. I preferred to go to Wisconsin to some river that wasn't surrounded by skyscrapers because it just didn't feel like clean water, you know, even still after all the, environmental <laughs> things have happened. Yeah. it's like Coke bottles and syringes floating next to you.
2: Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know they they dye the Savannah River green. Uh and I'm I'm certain they do it they do it other places, but it is and I was thinking about that today with St. Patrick. Like he was this one dude from great britain and somehow his his feast day is like a party celebration it's which has been transmitted through through the irish like i don't know about all over the world at least all over western civilization and just the color green it it just it's his that's his color yeah i think it's
0: ireland's color the emerald isle so green there but it is cool that he... The Irish, first of all, have been everywhere. Like, St. Patrick is the patron saint of Nigeria because of the Irish missionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, many parts of the world have a devotion to him, or at least to the feast because of uh, Irish missionaries. Yeah. You no? Know, Irish Catholicism, which has this Jansenist bent, and we've just spread it far and wide. Earn God's love. Now! <laughs> stop
1: sinning man there could be nothing here i was just mm, this is not something we usually like venture into because i want to okay here's what it just it did kind of uh pique my interest in when you were talking about like yeah it used to be that all this stuff was happening with like the chicago river and all this garbage was in it and it is i you know no doubt it's cleaned up and everything um but, dang, man, I find that, like, whatever is happening culturally, it is just hard to know what to believe. And obviously, this is, um, there, you know, even when you just said said that, I was like, yes, no doubt it is not what it was, and it's been cleaned up and everything like that, but it just like wouldn't surprise me if it came out tomorrow that it actually isn't cleaned up that much or (laughs) you know what I mean? But it's like, it's, it's legitimately tough to like know what to trust and believe um, in. Yeah. Today, today's world. And I know this is getting talked about like all over um, the place from like politics and, and like the further divide on on stuff so i don't even really have any concrete thoughts on it besides it's just interesting that i mean that there's like there's a lot there i think in in our times today besides three dogs north and bishop baron like who do you trust
0: out there right. that's my question <laughs> who do you trust out there well i mean there's a broader topic of the political aspect of that, but I think there's a, there's a personal aspect too. um, you know, the priesthood is not alien to this, uh, phenomena, phenomenon of, you know, we there's this institution that people trust and what you say you mean. And then all of a sudden things come out and then like all of that trust is lost. And then even legitimate, Voices are like called into question. It's hard because I think human beings were kind of all or nothing, you know. Um, when you realize as a kid that your parents are human beings and that they are imperfect, then you're just like, okay, well, you're totally, Ill- you're to- a totally illegitimate authority. I'm just going to do whatever I want. You know, that kind of teenage rebellion. But coming to a place of, I mean, you just can't go through life without people whose voices you trust. Um, and I think actually parents are a good example of that. Like I would still ask my dad, I might not do everything he tells me to do, but like when it comes to my money or my car or big life decisions, like I will, I'll knock things around with him because I trust his opinion on stuff, you know? Um, but, I do think there's a general mistrust of each other and people and especially institutions these days, which uh means as priests and as a church, we have to earn a lot of trust personally by doing putting the work in you know and being there for people um, yeah the idea that like the church is gonna be the moral authority that it once was in the United States it seems unlikely in our lifetime. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is very, I agree with you, Rob. It is very tough. Um, Cause it's not even, I guess the thing that frustrates me the most is it's not even about like how much, you read or how much information you take in that's not the problem but it's um, like can I even know if the sources that I'm reading from are are the right sources um, that they have the story correct and um, and then you know not just that but then all, having conversations with all these other people who are getting sources from and stories from all these different places like Yeah, it's just frustrating to try and find um, common ground to actually figure out and investigate what the real truth is, because it's it just seems so far removed. Like, I I have no way to know besides trusting your word and I don't trust your word. So what am I supposed to do? Uh, Because I can't go and investigate every story and nor do I want to, quite quite frankly, <clears throat> so it's yeah it almost seems like a dead end to to be honest like that's that's a path that leads to nowhere trying to become and maybe that's what i found a little bit is being a news junkie and being really up to date on that stuff is yeah it is a path for, for myself that kind of leads to nowhere I'm like well i'm not more peaceful i'm not happier i don't even know if i know more uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great, cool Wasted a ton of time this morning watching the news You know, so now I'm just even more confused and upset And let me tell you, I know somebody's angry out there
0: You know, there's a, I don't know too much about this I read a while ago, but St. Bernard's Steps to Pride The first one is Curiositas mm. Um <clears throat> which I think in Latin means more than just like what we kind of think is curiosity. There's a certain like, um, overreaching not minding your own business as the beginning of getting to the sin of spiritual pride. And I've wondered about that because I, I do experience it sometimes with YouTube or the internet where like there are the, just these topics to jour where everybody is, everybody is, uh, broadcasting their opinion about something that's happening today and I'll come in like halfway into it and be like what is this thing and google the the phrase or the hashtag and try to figure out what it is and I guess to formulate my own opinion on the thing or find the voices that I trust and like hmm, who what, what is this person saying about this you know and almost always <clears throat> the, the people you know in your camp have, their thing on it and everybody else has their thing and um and then the next day it's not even a thing anymore um and so what were we all yelling about uh besides just kind of like (laughs) entrenching ourselves deeper in our in our sides you know um on a bigger broader vision question of like what is the what is the truth of the capital t you know um and so i do i do think that there's And then we talked about the social dilemma and the whole algorithm and keeping you engaged. The way the media are set up is to get you to click. And so it's not surprising that there's, you know, going straight to the emotions and bypassing some of the intellectual um, you know, filters and stuff of like what's what's actually true, um, which then can gets you to kind of think, well, there's nothing really true. Um, Everybody's just coming from their own perspective. And that's your opinion, man, Uh, which there's honestly some truth to that. Like who who's really to say when you read a history book, Um, you're picking what you think is historical. I I used to think that in in history class as I'm reading these textbooks, like, all right, we're just covering this hundred years in a chapter. A lot of stuff happens in a hundred years. There are a lot of places and a lot of days. And you just sort of, sort of like the Declaration of Independence is the thing that happened in the 1700s, you know. Um, certainly, yeah, certainly and... that's the biggest, the biggest, most significant <laughs> political thing. But um, you know, like I always wondered what is what was life like then? What what did people think? And um, but it's just too much for us to. We, we can't take in all of reality all at once. We, we experience it one second at a time, one place at a time. And so when we try to like figure out the big, and this is what, what happens, I think with some of the, let's say meta narratives, not to say conspiracy theories, but like, just like figuring out the whole thing and what, and what's going on and why it all makes sense. And this is why it's happening and like to, or the things about like, this is when the second coming is going to happen, you know, 2012 and, just how many times you can predict something is going to happen because you know the future and then it doesn't happen. And you're like, well, it's because of this and actually now it's going to happen. Then you're like, there's just some things we aren't meant to know in advance or, or whatever. Like it's much more the, the human scale of knowledge is like your sphere, your people, your place, the time that you're living in and trusting that God has, the whole big picture and that you have a relationship with him. So you can kind of, you can keep walking regardless and, and things do happen, but you know, conspiracies do happen and political upheavals and, and whatnot. Um, you know, I've talk, been talking about the Chiswick book because I'm reading it with some students, but like, you know, it can happen that the whole world just turns on you and you can get thrown in a Siberian prison and disappeared for decades. And, but I don't think, uh, worrying about it is going to keep it from happening, you know? Um, or like watching a lot of YouTube videos about these people are doing this and those people are doing that because there's no way of verifying it anyway. So I, I think there's two sides. There's some trust that's been lost generally in the culture that, um, that people are telling you the truth, but maybe some of it's the the scales coming off our eyes and being like, oh, the newspapers have always had an agenda, (laughs) you know, Uh, but then there's also, I think that just the availability of information makes us suspicious of everything because we can just, you can Google anything, anytime where before something could something was happening elsewhere in the world and you just would read one article about it and then you wouldn't think about it anymore. So it wasn't like it's huge a deal. I don't know. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I don't have any like big thoughts to it. It's just, I mean, this is, this is this is a huge topic in
0: today's world or a huge thing. Um, Well, I think people are worried. I mean, the the importance of it is not so much like we're going to solve it. um, Right. But I think there's a spiritual uh, thing happening um, that I struggle with. People struggle with. uh, Like, how do you respond to this, uh, this stress, you know, of being stuck at home and looking at your computer and getting mad, Mm. you know? feeling alone reaching out for some kind of reaching out for some kind of community, people who agree with you, people who are on your side. um, When it kind of feels like the the world is coming apart to some people. Um, I don't know. Some days I wake up, I'm like, I am done with this. Okay. Can we be done now? It's been a year of COVID. Um, And I have like, a place to go. I've, I can still go to Newman. I can still, you know, we have students, we have to wear masks, but we have people around and things going on. And I know some people who have been working from home for a year. You know. It's crazy. It's crazy. You know, these kids, kids home from school. Um, I mean, thank God for Three Dogs North. I'm sure they're all listening to this and this really uplifting <laughs> episode is going to help them a lot, right? <laughs> But uh here's
1: the and and here's just the the thought that came to my mind is it's probably not on topic um or on this exactly but uh yeah my my sister's awesome and yeah just does like really cool stuff with her kids and um yeah just very much a disciple which is awesome and so they have um their pastor had been there like a long time and they were really close with him. And, um, he got moved, uh, about six months ago or so. So on his days off, he's still like a lot of weeks. He'll come up and they just do like cool stuff. They'll pray rosary with the the kids or do stations during Lent. And they had this little tradition going where they would go to a cemetery and pray a rosary. And, but they found, and, um, Father Bill knew where it was. And I can't remember. But they found this like little kind of unknown cemetery um, just pretty much like in an Illinois cornfield. But a young priest was buried there and they had this like old kind of like falling apart altar right by his grave. And I, I think the guy died. This is probably wrong, but in like the 1860s and he was like 29 or something. So don't know the whole story. Of it, but they found this priest's grave and they went there one day a couple weeks ago. And Father Bill had had mass there, so it's just like four or five people, um, you know, at having mass like for this young priest who died 150 years ago in the middle of an Illinois cornfield. And I was, I just thought that was so cool, man. Like, I long for, um, for that. And I know it's not exactly what we're, we're talking about. Um, but there's just something, um, there's something to it of, and I know we probably talked about this in a hundred different, different ways, but it's like, gosh, Catholicism is, is lived out locally, or at least has been for 2000, Years And so it's like everything there, there is an engagement like with what's happening in the in the world, which I think is really, really good, especially during um, COVID. But there's just this like, I guess, kind of going back to that original thing of like, how do you, you know, know what to to trust and read and, and all of that stuff? It's just it's kind of the question I think everybody is is asking. No one can have an answer to it. We're not gonna answer it. It's like what what is happening in the world, man? And because it's still like life is really good, but gosh, it just seems like strange what's happening.
2: How did they find that that grave? That's very cool.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, my father Bill knew about it somehow. I don't know if he maybe like had like if, if one of his parishes at some point was like had care over that particular cemetery, I haven't seen the cemetery. Um, mm-hmm. but he knew about it might've had a burial there. Yeah. I, I don't know for sure, but he knew about it and told him about it. And they were like, Oh, that's awesome. We should go and see it. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of worked it out that they went and had mass, um, had mass there. And I, the only thing I compare it to is it, you know, kind of the, Celebrating St. Patrick today, but um, yeah, Father Ed Pelrine would told me the story one time. If he got to when he went to got to go to Ireland, he got to go and have have mass like over some of the graves of his family that was buried in this old Irish cemetery. And um, maybe it's just the Irish in me, but I, I think that's just a Catholic thing, man. Of like, man, there's something there's something really good about about that. Um, I remember him telling that that's where I think he was on a focus trip as well. And he still got some relatives in Ireland and they were able to work it out to go to this like old church cemetery and found his family. And there was an altar out there. So he got to say mass literally over, over their graves for
2: him.
0: Hmm. That's awesome.
2: I I like that as a juxtaposition. Um, I couldn't exactly make the connection logically, but I like that as the juxtaposition to the, way we intake news and the way a lot of the way that you can potentially experience life behind a, a computer screen or, or in a newsfeed, um, you know, celebrating mass, praying for the dead, remembering your, your family, your, your history, your tradition, I think serves as there's something right about it. That's like, it's just undeniably good undeniably true um and seems to be the opposite (laughs) of the twitter life or of the of the instant news feed So I, i like that i don't know exactly why it pairs so well but um i think that's right
0: i gave a talk uh last night to this discernment group and um typically they just ask for like a testimony of your vocation, how you became a priest and some reflections on priesthood. And as I was thinking about it, I just, I just jotted down six names. Well, one was a couple, but, um, six different personal relationships, uh, that I've had as a priest in these six, almost seven years that were, I felt like emblematic of, of my priesthood, of the priesthood, you know, like this guy that's dying right now, um, of cancer who I'm going and visiting and some of our conversations, girl from my youth group, um, who painted me the St. Patrick painting I'm actually looking at right now, uh, before I left the parish. Um, this guy that, uh, owns a bar down in, down in my old parish that, uh, I've stayed in contact with, and now he wants to get confirmed and get his marriage blessed. And just a slow relationship. We started playing racquetball together. And um, Doris, this other couple that um, kind of had to have some hard conversations with in marriage prep, and then later just bore a lot of fruit. And just like things that have happened and that all had grace in them that somehow, like, my cooperation as much as I didn't know what was going on or feel kind of helpless, um, to do anything about that, God shows up and shows me something and equips me and tells me who I am. Um, you know, and and like you could try to explain, I, I guess I was thinking I could try to explain the priesthood from like this high level and try to tell them what it would be like for them to be a priest, you know, if they did it but there was no way, there's really like no way to do that. Like all you, all I could think to do was focus the camera on a few, um, small encounters and say, like, leave your imagination to, to broaden it out to your life and the whole life of like what this massive reality of the priesthood is. it's lived it's lived out a day at a time in very local situations, and um, it has something to do with the redemption of the entire cosmos. But on the day to day, it's like you going and bringing communion to an old person in their house because they're on hospice, you know. And what that means in the cosmic situation is kind of a mystery to you, but you have this sense that like this is reality. I'm living in reality right now. And those kind of moments of epiphany make sense of the rest of it. But I don't know. I, I like that cornfield graveyard mass example because it's it's something so local. It's something so simple, and from a, from the perspective of, of a non believer, completely insignificant. Um, and yet it connects it connects people to someone over centuries you know and there's like you love this guy you're this is an act of love for someone who's been dead for 150 years and you're connected to them and you and you you are in reality connected to them in the body of christ and you will meet him one day you know and he'll say thanks for saying that mass you know like in your imagination you you make all these connections but it's like you have to the aperture of the camera has to be small in order for the light to like really project on the back of the screen so you can see reality. Whereas if you try to open it too wide, like you lose focus on even the little that you're looking at, you take in all this information and you try to figure out like, what is going on in the world? Right. now like your question, what is happening right now? Well, a ton of stuff is happening right now and you know, very little and are able to know very little of what's going on. You know, whether someone is off doing something in a lab right now and, Um, or, you know, this or that part of the system is broken, um, and this is how we're going to fix it. It's like, those are important questions, I guess, but are they really for us to know? Is there any way for me to know? And can I do anything about it? But I don't think it's quietism where you're just like throwing up your hands and okay, we just have to passively accept whatever happens in the world. No, I think you do have to be. Have the have the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other, but still like anything was it Jacques Philippe that said like anything that takes your peace away is not from God. He said mm-hmm. something radical like that in that book. Yeah. Um so if you had a thought and it makes you upset and it takes away your p- peace, like on a spiritual level, then uh that thought didn't come from God. So stop it. Hey.
1: Yeah, th- what I'm thinking of there this is just some recent spiritual direction stuff that was very fruitful for me and it's nothing <clears throat> I guess super profound to to say until it like kind of hits home um for you but it just like there is a a demand um I think in anything authentically from the Lord that it is like it is relational um and I remember that was a point that still stuck with me. You said like a year ago, Mets, when you were talking about, when you're talking about your anti-Trinity prayer and you're mm-hmm. talking about then like prayer is communion. Like that's what we're talking. That's what the church is talking about when they talk about prayer and any, any, like any type of attraction authentically, like of God um, drawing someone is like, relation, relational, and, um, it's about communion with him. And that's, what's attractive more than any, any medium, um, as good as, as they are. But, uh, yeah, my spiritual director, he posed this question that I, man, I just, it really, really hit me, um, as I continued to think about it, but it's, it's similar of asking the question of like, why did, like, how do you answer the question of like, why did Maximilian Kolbe die? And I think a lot of times there's like this response to say like, well, he died for, you know, um, like courage or he died like in opposition of, of this. And it's like, no, I, I don't think that's it. He died for like that man that he took the place of, or, you know, it's like, why did Maria Gretti die for purity for um, you know, for whatever for like this witness. And it's like, no, not, not really like not at the heart of it. Like she died for that guy that hurt her. Um, And there has to be like a face to it in,
0: in that way. Does that make any sense? Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of like in the, in the wars, it's always like, you don't you're not dying for your country. You're dying for the guy next to you. Yeah. Some people always say that. Like you can't um, actually We're reading abolition of man, my uh, staff and I for we call it Deep Things Club. And he uses that example of dying for your country, like how if you don't have the um, sort of moral consensus of the ages, whether it's biblical or just a human tradition, natural law, it's hard to it's hard to explain intellectually why it'd be a good thing for you to die for your country. If, you know, like a, from a utilitarian perspective, for instance, like, well, some people need to die so that others may live. Then your, your natural question, well, why does that have to be me? Why would I do that? You know, but when it's for love, like um, when your heart is on fire for for some kind of love, some passion, you're like, you, you will be reckless. You will make choices that sort of seem to defy hard and fast, like rational, um, thinking because like at the heart of it, all of us are made for that kind of love, that kind of reckless self-abandonment. Um, but yeah, if you, if you try to like reason to it, like you're saying, like Maximilian Colby wasn't saying, like, I am defying Nazism right now. That's why I'm going to go, you know, be starved. It's too abstract. It has to be this guy. This guy has a family and I, I love him and want him to live. So I'm going to die instead. There has to be a face to it Uh, for it to be real. I think that's, that's really good.
2: I'm trying to think back to back to kind of the beginning of how we got into this conversation. Was the Green River? It's, it was the Green River. Well, just trying to <laughs> to see the thread that connects through all of it, and um, yeah, there's something right because it, it's not necessarily that. Yeah, in many cases, the information is is bad and. Maybe it's not communicated well, or it's communicated with a lack of charity, or integrity, or honesty, you know, when we look at the the big picture of how many people live their lives, consuming what they consider to be truth to some extent, there is a lot of holes that you can poke into it. But it's not so much about the the content, which it is a little bit, but I think it's something like the methodology of the way that we produce and consume news is not conducive. It's not how humans, it's not human. <laughs> it's not human. And I, I guess I think about, yeah, like all of these examples is um, it's always personal and it's always something that like occurs in time, that it, it takes time to digest and to grow into something like this. It's an unfolding of truth that allows for more layers to something than oftentimes um, just the quick fix of both producing news so that you can have something to say and be relevant, but also constantly consuming that. Like there's something wrong with the methodology of it, that it's faceless, but it's also, it, it doesn't allow for time and grace to enter into it, which oftentimes like tempers and and the more time that we have with information it shapes it uh, you know, I, I think about a lot of you know well, well the Gospels and the Christian story like it took 2,000 years to, to understand who, who Christ is and, and we're still trying to understand him and his church and this unfolding of the truth And, you know, I think of Dr. Nagel, our Old Testament professor, the way that she would talk about the prophets. And she would always say that the false prophets were the ones who always had a quick response and they always had the right thing to say. But the true prophets were the ones who had to like sit and wait for the word of God to come. They didn't always have the right answer. Um, They didn't always know exactly what to say or or have something to say. Um, but they would just wait and allow it to occur and when God's grace and God's time made it available. Um, and so like just the aspect of, yeah, the methodology, I think is a is a bigger problem than the actual content that it it has to be personal, but it also has to have, yeah, room for time and grace to flatten out. I guess a lot of the things that we would typically jump at um, that are sensational and dramatic, but aren't ultimately true that after a little bit of time, a deeper truth is revealed. And I, and I'll, I'll finish with this, with this rambling. I'm just kind of rambling right now, but I think about our trip to the Holy land, like there was something very special about being able to go to spots in the Holy land And to experience it over like two months over, you know, eight or nine weeks, something like that, where you could come back to a place and then just sit there and then allow time and grace and like this relationship with, with a place or with a people to deepen in that made that trip something unbelievable um, that, you know, kind of shaped me and changed me in a, in a really significant way. And it's, it's just not something that can happen. It's inhuman to have that experience. If you just pop in and pop out, you know, there's something valuable to that. I like, I think those are, those pilgrimages are great. I'm saying there's something special and unique about being able to sit around and allow something to kind of sink into like to saturate your bones and to give it time to turn it over, turn over thoughts and turn over experiences. Um, it seems to be a, the the much more human way to experience life instead of to consume information.
0: Yeah, that's also very good. I I think the technology and stuff, we blame it a lot. Um, oh, it's social media is driving us apart and all this stuff, but it's really how we use it. Um, but I think of like Jaber Crow, um, you guys both read that right Mm -hmm, Wendell mm -hmm. Berry book yeah so good because it it kind of takes you through a lot of the technological technological developments of the turn of the century early 20th century and um shows how it changes the face of the country and small towns but also just through this lens of this one guy and when he gets a car like he used to have to walk to the town where there was like stuff, he lived in that small little village where he was the barber, but every once in a while had to walk into the bigger city and it would take him hours to get there. And he'd just walk along the road and run into people who were also walking and have conversations and or just be by himself and thinking about stuff. And um Then he gets a car and now it only takes him a few minutes to get to town. But now all of a sudden he's super impatient to get to town and anytime there's anybody like, you know, with their, horses or something in the road he's like "Oh, get these horses out of the way you know like he was never in a hurry before he was never bothered as much by other people as when he was able to go faster than everybody else um and he he wondered about that like why why has the car made me impatient um i think our ability to know at the speed of light what's happening on the other side of the globe um has made us impatient for information and knowledge. And, you know, when you, you meet somebody truly wise, you know, like some of the priests we, we knew in seminary and just some of the, some of the figures, Dr. Nagel is another example. Um, people who have reflected on the mysteries for a long time and have not been impatient for like getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sometimes I, I, I think I certainly felt like this in college when I started along the, the path of discipleship and I, I see it sometimes in students doing the same now is like, OK, when am I going to get like, when am I going to figure it all out and be perfect and not sin anymore? You know, um, once that becomes the goal, it's like, I don't know, I just. Uh, yeah, that's the goal. Eventually, we're going to be saints, but how that happens in God's whole plan and our my, takes this. Long reflection and relational trust and growth that doesn't happen overnight and we are in a culture and a situation right now where you can have um goods delivered to your door in a box the day after you click a button you know like we're just so we're so ready (laughs) for the thing now that the kinds of goods like wisdom knowledge understanding those aren't that kind of thing. You know, um, I can't watch a YouTube video into becoming knowledgeable about life. You know, it has yeah, to that's, be lived.
1: That's true. That's somebody, I was watching something recently and they just kind of made the, points, oh, Rob, you're cutting out on me. It is, it's like, there is something kind of driving. I'm just talking about me, you know, but there is this desire for like solutions and answers because, Like, you know, I don't know. I think that's a natural question of like, I can, yeah, order anything I want and it's here the next day. Like, why can't we just have that with the deep things, you know, and like the deep ponderings Mm -hmm. of, of life and, but life's a hard game man. that's, somebody said that the other day and I was like, man, that's a good line of life is a really, really hard game. Um, no one makes it out alive as they say you know that's why um mm-hmm. we, we like it does it comes back to like where we place our faith and and hope um because it's you know the same end for for everyone um in, in at the human level um and that's that is a tough game and you want like there is a longing just for like man how do i do this and what does it mean and um, those things like, yeah, that's it. Like you can't, at least in my experience, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Just watching, watching a quick YouTube video on it. But at the same time, then it's like, I, I need like full on ESPN coverage of the upcoming March Madness because is a one seed
0: <laughs> and I want that and I need it. That's yeah. a microcosm and right so- there of, like, I want to know the future. This is this is not <laughs> knowledge for you to have.
1: Right, but I, I need the full coverage on this, <laughs> um,
0: and I need it now. Yes. Uh, well,
2: obviously there are exceptions to it. So I mean, right. right, March Madness is clearly one of them that the Lord instituted. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Yeah.
0: Well, I got to get going, but I do want to say, in the hard game of life, you guys are both huge
2: losers. So, dang it, burn! I'm just gonna. I'm gonna sit with that one, yeah. And just uh... wow. actually, you know what? The only way
0: to win is to lose. Oh, I thought you were gonna Whoa. say the only way to win is what? not
2: to play. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> play that back. Play that back. Did yeah. you hear that? <laughs> we were just talking about that the other day. Uh, I think it was Scott who's who quoted himself once in a homily or something like that. He's like, ah, "That's something I said the other day." I can't remember the example, but. Let's rewind, rewind the tape. What did I just say? That was
2: that was wisdom. Take note.
0: Wisdom. Be <laughs> attentive.
2: Can you say that about yourself and it still be wise? <laughs> yeah. If you're humble and you know it, then you're not. If you're humble and you know it, clap your hands.
1: Hey. Do less. Be more.
2: Whoa. What. Whoa. <laughs> what. <laughs> We're
0: human beings, not human doings. Oh, <laughs> mind blown. There's your- a <clears throat> t-shirt for you.
2: Dang. No, what if I was a human doing? Like, what does that even mean? You know what? I'm just going to draw the line. I'm going to push back on you there, okay? <laughs> I am a human doing. This whole time that we've been talking... I've had an ab flexor workout machine on my abs so that I've been <laughs> doing an ab workout. <laughs> don't waste a second. No, Don't, don't waste oh, it. Oh, 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 oh. Rob, are you hearing this?
1: Yes. Amazing. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just me. Oh, I'm glad I pressed my internet again. Dang it. <laughs>
2: I can hear him very subtly in the background echoing. Nope, <laughs> nope, 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 All right, well, I guess that's the finish, huh? Cut it. I actually do have You're to go right. say
1: La Misa here. Connor, if you can hear us, cut this. <laughs> right.
2: okay. Three dogs north
1: are juice. Dogs Spring Dogs.
2: Good, dog. Good, dog. Good girl.